0: Hello and welcome to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach LLC where we make your goals our goals and you're never alone on your wellness journey. Experience the information, inspiration and collaboration of our Coach in Your Corner partnership. My name is Stephanie Wolf. I'm a national board certified health and wellness coach and proud owner of the whole food health coach now in its ninth year actually entering its 10th year very soon and five-time winner of the best of Gwinnett award in endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism practices. Rachel, Sherry, and I invite you to visit wholefoodhealthcoach.com to set up your 60-minute healthy living assessment. Work Well is dedicated to your personal and professional health and wellness. I offer examples from my own life, health, marriage, family, and business. I share my research, my opinion, and my faith designed to bring you compelling content, engaging challenges, and practical body, soul, and spirit support on your wellness journey. WorkWell comes to you from my personal desire to live long and strong with passion and purpose, die of old age, and help others to do the same. So together in partnership with Dr. Katherine Wigman, uh, Georgia M.D. is a direct primary care clinic located in Suwannee, Georgia. Dr. Catherine operates on a monthly membership fee and does not take insurance. But members like me have her phone number and can reach our primary care um, provider directly. It's awesome. So from living rooms to boardrooms here on Gwinnett Business Radio, actually you're listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf. I have a funny for you this morning. I'm calling it CURED. George has been seeing a psychologist For four years for treatment for fear that he had monsters under his bed. It had been years since he had gotten a good night's sleep. Furthermore, his progress was very poor and he knew it. So one day he stops seeing that psychiatrist and decides to try something different. A few weeks later, George's former psychiatrist meets his old client in a mall. And surprisingly, finds him looking very well-rested, energetic, and cheerful. Doc, George says, it's amazing. I'm cured. That's great news, said the psychiatrist. You seem to be doing so much better. How? I went to see another doctor, George said enthusiastically. And he cured me in just one session. One? The psychiatrist asks incredulously. Yeah, continues George. My new doctor is a behaviorist. A behaviorist, said the psychiatrist. How does he cure you in just one session? Oh, easy, said George. He told me to cut the legs off my bed. (laughs) Oh my. All right. Well, this year, I know if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that every week I seek to offer you inspiration and information, and I encourage you to challenge yourself. Change something, improve something, let go of something, pick up something, start something, restart something. So from January, with new beginnings in February, we talked about heart health. In March, the marvelous marriage marathon month. In April, with spring cleaning with communities and all kinds of great things that we talked about, and then May, mothers, and I'm sorry, women's health month. And in June, men's health month. In July, aging gracefully for my birthday. And August, back to school, personal development and lots of it. And then in September, fall forward. We talked about self-care. And then in October, we went into relationships of all kinds. November, we did a little bit of clean concepts around the topic of attitude and how we think and how our attitude can get stolen from us or how rainy days can affect our attitude. And in December, the theme is merry-making. Joy to your world. Fire it up, Dad. I dedicate this house to the Griswold Family Christmas. Oh. Drum roll, please. Oh, oh, uh. Well, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's my favorite joy to the world piece. So thanks to my producers, we were able to find that and use it. But the Griswold family and Clark Griswold um, is kind of a wolf family tradition, especially after Thanksgiving. What we do on Thanksgiving evening usually is to sit down and watch Christmas Vacation. So that one fits our topic for today because we're talking about joy to your world because a lot of times we think about everything that's going on around us, and that's fine too. But how about what's going on inside of us? So we're leaning into a little bit of the C in the C-L-E-A-A. acronym that I use on a regular basis for my clean concepts so today character how you care and lifestyle how you live those are the things that we're going to be leaning into a little bit today so just to remind you character is the mental and moral quality of an individual character is developed over time and is often a result of our environment or experiences Character is built on our core values and the principles we hold dear. Actions and behavior are driven and fueled by these core values. We place value on everything in life, and we will act more passionately on those on which we place the highest value. These inner qualities dictate our behavior, and that is why it is of great significance to the success in our life. So what do you believe about life? Is it precious? Is life precious? Is your life precious? You'll live your life based on your core values. So what's most important to you? And does it show in your choices? Which leads us to the L in clean. Lifestyle, how you live. And that's the quality of our life is directly connected to the quality of our choices Our lives are designed by us, one choice at a time. Every choice will make us strong, healthy, and smart, or weak, sick, and dumb. So when we say yes to one thing, we are saying no to something else. Life's value is not found in how long we live, but in how strong we live. I want to teach people how to live long and strong. Our choices matter. This is the way we live out what we say we believe. So, And it's usually revealed by two things, and you've heard me say it before, how we spend our time and how we spend our money. Everyone seems to be out of time, so we're going to start with talking about time because um, we're all out of time. We're in a hurry. We're overwhelmed. We're stressed, especially these days. And if you find yourself saying, where did the time go Maybe you need to take a moment to think about it and ask yourself that question. Where did it go? Where does it go? Where do you want it to go? Perhaps we could assign or manage our time a bit better, more intentionally maybe to use our time. And then we also, we have to realize we all have the same 24 hours a day. So when I start thinking about, uh, oh, all kinds of things that take my time, I've got to imagine all of the areas that um, take up a lot of that time, and a lot of them have to do with the inventions. So I'm going to talk about the television first. So the television, electronic television, was first successfully demonstrated in San Francisco on September 7th, 1927. The system um, was designed by Philo, Taylor Farnsworth. So he had been working on it since 1920, and there was a lot of information about that, which I'm not going to bore you with, but we are all enjoying our televisions, I'm sure. And um, according to Nielsen report, United States adults are watching five hours and 40 minutes of television per day. On an average... 35.5 hours a week, slightly more than 77 days of TV watching a year. Older generation, somewhat more. Younger generation, possibly a little bit less. But Nielsen says the thing that Americans do most with their free time is not cooking, exercising, or hiking, or any other seemingly beneficial or profitable activity. Nope, Americans watch TV. So television is awesome. I love football. And uh, actually, my producer, Dan, and I were just talking about football and the Falcons and a lot of things that we would do differently. And um, that's always fun. Uh, I love my TV because I enjoy watching those games on my big screen, 4K, smart television. So I'm not throwing stones here, but what and how much is the point I'm trying for, uh, to encourage us all to consider as we strive to become strong, healthy, and smart with our choices. So quality of choices and quantity in that area is what's more important. I teach that in nutrition, so it makes sense to talk about it in every other area of our life as well. And we also have to th- consider what we're giving up in exchange for that time. So inventions, I'm really thankful for all of them. I can't complain. I can't imagine washing my clothes on a washboard or running down to the local river or lake um, and beat them with a rock or something like that. But seriously, should we be maybe a little more careful and consider how we use them or how much we use them? Another stat for you and another invention that we all are pretty happy about for the most part is the clock. So the first public clock was set up in Germany in 1370. So the world shifted at that point from a natural time of, uh, to an artificial time. So previously people woke with the sun rising and went to bed when it set. God created that rhythm to life, so longer days in the summer, shorter days in the winter. Even God knew and thought of that because it's, you know, it's kind of designed around the changing of the seasons. Well, in 1370, people started managing their time artificially, and we shifted from being limited by the created resources of the sun and the moon to an artificial resource used to control our individual agendas and create schedules. And one thing that helped us with that, I think, was the next invention, the light bulb. And in 1879, Thomas Edison actually invented the light bulb, which, among other things, cut way back on our sleep time. Prior to the light bulb, the average American slept 10 hours a night. This increased the potential of human productivity, and wow, technic- technology really took off. So, we had lots of light to do anything that we really wanted to do. And by 1960, central air conditioning and heating, microwaves, dishwashers, laundry machines were very common in all American households. Assuming these inventions would allow us to be more efficient, therefore, a greater ease of life, and allowing us more time for leisure. Well, another thing I found was that in 1967, a Senate committee, committee um, predicted that by 1985, the average American would work 22 hours a week for 26 weeks a year because of all the leisure time this new technology would, quote, unquote, free up. I'm not lying, y'all. This is real research that I did. You'd be really proud of me. So, but in reality, the average time people spend on leisure has decreased since the 1980s. So, technology continued to advance. Each invention was supposed to save time and I've got that in bold and I'm saying it that way just because it's supposed to save time and it does its job to a degree but our choices govern the use of that extra time and they pretty much misjudged how we would spend that free time. So we work more, we sleep less and even when we try to sleep our minds keep working not allowing us to truly rest. The next thing I'm going to talk about, and there's plenty of things I could bring up, but I'm just talking about the things that, that, uh, that I guess maybe are speaking my number or calling my name, and that would be the iPhone. Apple released the first iPhone in June 2007. They gave us a useful tracking system for all the data that we would need to manage our entire life all in one handy device. And use it we do. A 2016 study found that the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. Should I say it again? 2,617 times a day. Staring at their phone screens for two and a half hours over 76 uses is what uh, that report Listed, And a more recent study than that even discovered that in just three years, two, now we're talking 2019, that figure had more than doubled to over five hours a day. So that's pretty shocking, isn't it? I mean, we don't count them, obviously, but and, and that's an average. But it's pretty insane when you start thinking about it. Phone, phones actually used to be a luxury. And even those who don't have homes actually have phones. No judgment on that, of course, but I'm just saying that's that's the way they stay connected. So, And I'm glad for that. I'm glad they have a way to stay connected to their loved ones. But instead of slowing down our lives, making us more efficient and providing us with more time with our children, our mates, our friends, or ourselves, we do not. We are more prone to expect more of ourselves and more of others because of these technologies and these devices. We don't know how to stop. Well, we now suffer from what in my world of mental health is called hurry sickness. That's a thing, hurry sickness. A behavioral pattern that is characterized by continual rushing and chronic stress and anxiety. Always the struggle to get to the next thing, get it done, then get to the next thing or get the next thing started. I suffer from this dangerous behavioral pattern myself. I tell my clients, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I tell them, you can't set yourself on fire to set others warm, to keep others warm. You can't set yourself on fire to keep others warm. Such good advice I give. I need to take some of that advice myself. So much of technology has become our new normal, at least in the Western world. It drives me. Obviously, I'm, I'm in this group with you all. I wake up every morning, I grab my phone first thing. Well, I grab my glasses actually first, otherwise I can't see my phone. But uh, I grab my phone, And I want to see my calendar for the day, see if emails were returned that I sent yesterday, if answers came in to what I sent out, um, if there were new emails that came in and I need to return them today. Um, Did anyone post about my last podcast or Facebook post? What was said? Should I respond? Then I grab my phone, get my workout clothes on, grab my iWatch. Turn on the workout app and head down to the workout room to my electronic systems with screens that can take me to the shorelines of Costa Rica or the trail of the Grand Canyon. Oh, man. It's artificial. I'm not really there. I'm not really in the Grand Canyon, but it feels like it. It's artificial. I know the artificial world is pretty much here to stay and all the all things technology and we do appreciate all of them. Like it or hate it, it's really up to us to use it and not abuse it or abuse ourselves in the process. Now with artificial intelligence and devices throughout our house that listen to us, I know we've all talked about this before in a negative way, but they're listening just in case we need them. And we call them by name and they um, light up or the the, um, system starts to say, hello, Stephanie, whenever I talk to them. But Siri is ever present to... um, make calls for me or add things to my calendar. Alexa in my office helps me to find dates and statistics. She actually helped me a little bit with this particular podcast today. And Google in my bathroom plays my favorite music while I'm getting ready for work. And the one in my kitchen actually can put things on my grocery list and it sets timers all by voice command. I don't have to touch anything. And I love spell check and grammar correction. And um, the greatest use for me when it comes to my technology and my AI is scripture references. Hey Siri, find this particular verse from the Bible, and she'll look it up and she'll give it to me on in several different um, versions of the Bible as well. And yet. I complain that AI is taking over something that I've spent all my life doing. This is where the where rub is for me, I guess. Writing, correcting, and creating content, lessons, blogs, podcast writing. That's my thing. It comes from me, my head, and my heart. It's not artificial intelligence. It's my hard work that you're listening to right now. <laughs> so could writers like me one day become a thing of the past, like newspapers, magazines, the telephone book, and maps. <laughs> so I hope not, because um, there's still a use for all of those. We still get the paper. I actually love the, um, the post, so I, I get the paper. It comes... To to us in the mail now because evidently there's not anybody throwing papers Um, our kids actually that was one of their first jobs jeremy had a paper route and uh, had his little bike with his bag in the front and we'd go house to house uh, through the neighbors that had uh, subscribed and drop those newspapers off and we'll never see that again but our greatest strengths can become our greatest weakness we have to own that responsibility ai is useful but it depends on the user. So I might get these names wrong, so apologize in advance, but Michael Zigarelli of Messiah University conducted a five-year study of 20,000 Christians in the United States and identified busyness as the number one distraction from life with God. He summarized his research with these five points in his conclusion. It may be that Number one, Christians are assimilating into a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to, number two, God becoming more marginalized in Christian lives, which leads to, number three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to, four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable and adopting worldly assumptions about how to live, which leads to, number five, more conformity to a cultural of busyness, hurry, and overload. And that cycle begins again. Wow, I resemble that remark. How about you? Do you feel like you were a part of that study without even knowing it? No one is less susceptible to these things. It's a vicious cycle, and once we're on that rat wheel, we do not know if or how to get off of it. Carl Jung, also the Swiss psychiatrist whose research research was the basis for the Myers-Briggs personality test. Put it bluntly, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. Richard Foster writes, In contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. Hurry keeps us engaged in muchness and manyness. We don't rest, and we are not satisfied. Thomas Merton said something similar a theologian was asked to diagnose the leading spiritual disease of our time and Merton gave one word answer efficiency I kind of was thinking about thinking that through a little bit and that's what led me to all of the invention looking at those things that were supposed to make us more efficient have kind of taken over Well, we're always trying to find ways to be more efficient, more organized, keep it all together. There's nothing wrong with that. But our motive behind that desire is if it's truly more time with our loved ones or more time for ourselves, for self-care, then that's awesome. Let's use it that way. But if it's about the things that muchness and manyness of the world calls success, then let's not use it that way. We choose. So we seem to have a lack of boundaries in this area, especially when it comes to hurry and things and busyness and people and money. Um, it's hard to set boundaries. It's hard to make a budget and live by it. Well, you can make a budget. It's harder to live by it, I guess. But it's hard to tell people no. I know in my world, it's certainly hard to tell people no. I want to be there for everybody. I think I'm their answer. And I'm not, but I think I can help them find the answer. And that's what I like to do. But with every choice we make, we're creating our future. So that we have to own. That is our responsibility. Nobody is doing that to us. We're in a busy time of year. I get it. I love the holiday season, but with it comes more hurry, more spending, more people, more schedule conflicts, and I still have a job to do as well. I work for a living, and I'm not being forced to do any of those things, of course, but I want to be there for everything, and a lot of times there's expectations of me to create, um, you know, that that creates that busy life, so that's on me, and the Quaker missionary Thomas Kelly um, right, said in 1941, after spending a full year slowing down and simplifying on a 12-month sabbatical, now get this, in Hawaii, yeah, if I was in Hawaii, I could take a 12-month sabbatical and slow down and live simply too. I'm not sure I could afford it, but it's definitely a place where is beauty and it would just really lend itself, I suppose, to slowing down and simplifying. And I could use a rest there. I probably would do the right things. But I'm still taking my environment that's in my head and heart with me, no matter where I am. But simplifying and slowing down would be much easier if we weren't in our own environment. We tell ourselves that. It's like, well, if I didn't have my office there and if i at home and I didn't have my laundry staring at me and all these piles and things like that. Um, We actually just went to Panama City Beach for Thanksgiving week and I unplugged. It was so beautiful. I was there for some of my classes. Clients um, on, you know, online technology um, went with me there. But I really took uh, the ownership and use of those things um, with a grain of salt and made my schedule adapt uh, to the leisure time that I wanted there. Well, in this um, particular quote Thomas Kelly found um, during that 12-month sabbatical and in this statement that really got my attention... Your inner life is not an image of your environment. If anything, the opposite is true. We create an environment that mirrors our inner life. And I would say that those are both things that go hand in hand. Um, Certainly my environment can create a a stressful inner life. And of course my stressful inner life um, comes out sometimes in my environment around the people that I'm embarrassed to say that I, you know, that that shows up, but this, this truth is really troubling to me in a way because um, certainly I see it every day in my coaching and spiritual counseling practice and certainly in my own life I've been pretty vulnerable with you. But everyone wants a quick fix. Everyone loves a shortcut. Um, we all want it now. We all want it free. And we want to keep what we have and get more and never lose it. And I have to say... I've said it a number of times a well defined problem is half the solution. So I believe we've clearly defined this problem. I've defined it in my own life, and we know it exists. And um, you certainly didn't need me or this podcast to point out the obvious to you. But what we are going to do about it is what's most important. So, how do we change it? How do we get off the rat wheel? Where you know is the speed um, you know c- that can be adjusted here, and I feel like sometimes I'm on a treadmill or a rat wheel that someone keeps in- increasing the speed <laughs> with each rotation, and that's not true, really. A lot of that I do to myself, and probably you do as well. If you own your own business, and we are on Business Radio X, so I'm assuming those that listen to um, Business Radio are really all in the same boat that I'm in, juggling everything in life and trying to find time for it all and really not setting good boundaries. So if I'm not sure... I, you know, for me, then I'm sure um, I think a lot of times just in helping my clients, I end up helping myself because we talk through these things and I'm not sure what it is for you, what the answer is for you because I don't know you, of course, my listener. but I' I've helped a number of people figure out what it is for them and what I've found for myself and others is that small steps, Taken in the right direction can go a long way in creating the life we really want. It's a matter of choice, we know that, and a joy filled clean life is what I've been teaching you. And I know COVID kind of helped us um, in a way during that time where we were more at home than we were out. And we took a step back from some of the things that were draining us and and uh, some of the things that were time suckers, I suppose. And then of course, other time suckers took their place. I know there were a lot of binge watching um, of television during that time. So we're n- probably those stats aren't out there yet for me to look at. But, um, but a lot of my clients, I was able to help you and myself to refuel ourselves by home time and family time and reorganizing and, and reading again, or just enjoying things like fitness and setting goals and home cooking and some of those things that we'd gotten away from. But if you find yourself right back to where you were before the pandemic and all that that took from you, then maybe it's time to take a hard look at your own life and your own choices. And so I talk about recentering a lot with my clients. Okay, so I'm not a therapist, so I don't go back in time and talk about your trauma. There's plenty of people that do a fantastic job of that. What I do in positive psychology is moving you forward. What's the next step for you? Even if it's just today, what are you having for lunch? Or where are you going? Or how can you make a different choice than what you just made earlier? Because we can't Go back and rechoose something, but we can choose now something different. So, what can we do? And I call that recentering. It's kind of like the GPS in our cars or on our phones now. We can look ahead at the road if we want to. You know, I can put my finger on the screen and look look down the the road to see where we're we're traveling and what's up ahead and where the turns are, what things I might encounter. Um, but it's really important where I am right now. So that's what really matters. And like I always tell you, what you do now and what you do next is what you can. Control so controlling what we can control so it's that recentering eventually you hit that little recenter button and it takes you back to your little car or your little arrow um, Pointed in the direction that you're going and then look at it and see are you going in the right direction? Seriously, is that the direction you really want to go? So recentering is a part of what the GPS does automatically but you have to hit that button. That's up to you. That says, you know, recenter, that button. Um, Maybe it's a part of what we need in our own lives to recenter ourselves. So honestly, I began writing today's podcast, voice to text, in my iPhone. It's efficient, I'm going to say. I've had a very busy and troubling couple of weeks. but uh, And so getting ready for the podcast was something that is super important to me. And I'm giving you just my own life in this um, particular series today. Um, But it helps me, you know, the talk to text actually helps me to get what's in my head and my heart down on paper. And these were things I was thinking of. Actually, I woke up thinking about this is the topic for the day. And then after it's down, uh, you know, on, I say on paper, but on the computer, and then I'll go back and edit and talk to text isn't perfect. AI isn't perfect, folks. Um, My talk to text keeps putting in words um, on the page that aren't the words that I was speaking. And I was getting frustrated because I was trying to be efficient with my time, then I have to go back and repair it because that's not what I said. (laughs) And I'll yell at her. You know, she can only do so much. Mine's a she. I don't know. Maybe yours is a he. I'm sure you've experienced that with texts where you've accidentally, you know, sent something um, that said something that you didn't intend it to say. And I know the word job and joy has come out. It is a job to be with you. (laughs) That is very scary when that actually happens. It's a joy. It was a joy to be with you. I'm sorry I didn't mean that. You know, so those words, just one little letter makes a huge difference. So it can only do so much. It's a machine and it is artificial. It's not real. We treat it like it's real and I talk to my AIs like they are real and I yell at them when they get confused because sometimes the one in the bathroom turns a timer on and the one in the kitchen doesn't and then we're waiting for the timer to go off in the kitchen and it doesn't go off and then we hear the bathroom going off and we're like, how did you hear us when we're in the kitchen and the kitchen didn't hear us? So nothing is perfect. These are machines, folks. And of course, no person is perfect either, so don't expect that. But I think that a lot of times we do expect that. And it's those expectations that can really clean our clocks. Ha, clock, just like the invention that I talked about earlier. But um, did you know that the word vacation, since I mentioned, you know, going to um, Panama City Beach for Thanksgiving and hanging out down there and looking at the ocean, and we had beautiful weather, by the way, and we came back and it all froze down there. So thank you, Lord. That was a great experience for us. But the word vacation comes from the Latin word vacate or to vacate. And so we did. We vacated our house and, va- and moved into someone else's. But um, to vacate, we did that, and we loved it, and we could turn things off. That was our choice. And remember to say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. So we had to put the money into that. It was that important. We chose how to spend our time and how to spend our money that week. So we went to Panama City. We stayed in our Godson's condo, which is beautifully located. Right near the coast, and I was staring at the ocean for almost seven full days. And just, I, you know, in my mind, I always tell people, let's go on a mini mental vacation. Just close your eyes, pretend you're in that high top Adirondack chair, Stephanie, staring over the deck, the balcony, and seeing the ocean. And not even, you can't even take a picture of something like that. It's just, photos just don't do it. In my head, though, I see it all. I don't need a photo, it's in my head. So I, I believe in responsibility. I'm responsible for the planet. I'm responsible for my time. I'm responsible for how I spend my money, how I treat others, how I treat myself and my body. That's a part of responsibility. I'm not going to blame someone else for something that is my responsibility. We have a lot of choices. And we spend our time and we spend our money however we want to. We spend it on what's most valuable to us in life and how we live our life based on what we feel is most valuable. And that can get us into trouble sometime. So as I close today, I want to remind you of just a few things things that you can take home with you. Well, maybe you are home, but I want want you to have some takeaways is my point. So in my seven session individual coaching course, Clean Concepts that I've mentioned over and over, and if you don't know what that is, go back and listen to some podcasts. I teach how important it is to understand that our core values lead every decision we make. Our core values produce our character, Good, bad, ugly, honest, integrity, um, work ethic, success, or lack thereof, those all things are traced back to what we believe. And choices matter, and each choice we make today builds a strong, healthy, and smart tomorrow or a weak, sick and dumb tomorrow. So what we eat, where we go, who we hang out with, how we live, what we say, what we believe, how we live out those things. And life choices made all day long, because we've got choices we have to make all day long, they create the life we live, Um, like it or lump it. So in input, actually creates those outcomes. And we spend our how we spend our time and how we spend our money are those two things that encompass our lifestyle. And I can tell what our core values are just by how we choose or how we choose to spend those things that we have control of. And I sign off each podcast with two words, choose life, for a reason. How we spend our time is dictated by our core values. What do we want from our life? What do we want to be able to say about ourselves a year from now, five years from now? What kind of life do you want for yourself, for your marriage, for your family? I find myself needing to make some very difficult decisions this year. Every year I set goals for myself for the upcoming year. It's usually really exciting. It's usually focused more on those much and more um, things that I talked about earlier. But this year... I plan to take a hard look at myself and my business and see what changes. Maybe I need to do less of this and less of that, simplifying things. And we all talk about it. We just don't always do it. So don't think you're gonna simplify everything all at once. That's the key, small steps. So I will spend my time differently. I will spend my money differently. There's not as much of that as used to as I used to have. But when it comes to time, there's not as much of that either. So I have to think about that at my age. My husband and I will celebrate 50 years of marriage in March. And you've heard it over and over. And um, I'm 65 years old. So I'm excited about that and feel like I'm going to live to be 100. But I better save some money <laughs> if I'm going to do that. So um, the pressure that I feel sometimes or you feel, we may put on ourselves No one is putting pressure on me. No one is putting pressure on you. The iPhone isn't dictating my life. I may be allowing it to have a part of my life and maybe too much of my life. I'm not sure. Um, 2,600 and however many um, touches a day. I'll have to look at that and be realistic about it. I have all the reasons why I use that phone all the time. It's my entire business. My clients need me, need more clients, whatever it might be. And you've probably got a lot of those reasons too and justifications. But I've given over a lot of my time and my money to technology and things that really don't matter. And I'm ready to make a few changes of what really, really matters. Well, you've been listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf, brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach LLC, where we make your goals our goals, and you're never alone on your wellness journey. Dr. Catherine Wigman and I, we're here for you. Physical needs, emotional needs, and I've also got connections to mental health needs. So if you're finding yourself alone this Christmas season, or you're down, and you need somebody to be with you and help you to see the good and walk through those things a little bit, a step at a time, then each of us are here for you. You can reach out to me and I can connect you to some really great resources. And as always, for more information about the Whole Food Health Coach, our corporate wellness programs, virtual classes, or individual coaching programs, go to wholefoodhealthcoach.com. Our coaching is available virtually anywhere in the country. I'm Stephanie Wolf, wishing you well, personally and professionally. Until next time live or on your favorite podcast channel, Choose Life.